It's time to get informed and inspired. This is Saturday Morning Live, sponsored by Asset Advisors, LLC, at Linden Sheet Metal on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Good morning and welcome to the fourth corner version of Saturday Morning Live with Charlie Crabtree. This week we're going to have a post-election report and we're going to have it recorded for your pleasure for Saturday morning. So what happened nationally, statewide, and locally? Locally, especially in the 42nd. The general election of 2022 will be finalized and certified by November 29th. All races right now are generally decided. There are about 550 votes to hand count and process. The election will be finalized then at the November 29th date by a certification committee. And that includes the county auditor, the prosecutor or a person appointed by the prosecutor, and the chair of the county council or a person appointed by the chair of the county council. And they'll review any last minute votes to see if they are valid or invalid and counted. And then they will have a motion to certify the election and that's it. We're done for the 2022 election on November 29th. Today, we got with us Justin Matheson, who is a campaign consultant extraordinaire from Axiom Strategies. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me here. I uh, appreciate you, Charlie, because you're probably the only other person in the state that geeks out on data like I do. So <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> we have to have a few of those. Yeah. So uh, what we're going to talk about, I think, in, in three different areas at least, and that's at the federal level, what happened uh, uh, in the federal level, both in the state of Washington and Washington, D.C., for that matter. And then we'll jump to the state level, and then we'll finally talk a little bit about the, the three important races that occurred in Whatcom County, which was uh, the 42nd District uh, Senate and the two House seats. So let's get started just a little bit on the federal. You want to comment on that? You have some connections and what's going on as far as the House and the Senate and, uh, and what happened? Because it was pretty obvious that it was not a red wave. Absolutely. Um, just so a little bit about my background. I work for a national firm, uh, Axiom Strategies, and I'm, I've been involved in local Washington politics here since 2012, I think, was my first campaign here when I started doing more races. And then uh, just for my history locally, I uh, helped run the Jan Angel campaign in 2013. Where's that at? What was that? Which be Gig Harbor. Okay. And that was the race that put us in place to take over the majority in the Senate. And then from there, uh, I actually moved into a position of executive director of the Senate campaign committee. And then- For the Republican. For the Republican. And then oversaw all the recruitments in, in the upcoming elections until that. And then I moved over in 2016. I was with another firm called Revolvus. I've been doing campaigns for now almost 24 years, wow. probably Two, I was trying to do the, the math on it the other night, but I probably got about 230 campaigns under my 
under wow. my belt now. Um, and so, and, and in a lot of different areas, not just, just Washington. Um, and if you- Where else do you go? So I cover my, my region for Axiom. I cover Oregon, Idaho, uh, Montana, Utah, Wyoming, uh, Alaska, and of course- And on the Republican side. On the Republican side, yes. Right. So, so if you ask me like how the night went for elections and red waves, it would really depend on what state you were talking about. We uh -huh. had some interesting uh, successes in Oregon. I mean, for the most part, you could almost say it was a red wave in Oregon because they picked up one congressional seat, and that's a 100% gain uh -huh. <laughs> in, they didn't have in any. Oregon. We didn't have uh, our targets that we ran on the legislative side, for the most part, all won. Um, and they had a very competitive governor's race above that that came down to the wire. Uh, a lot to do with an independent that was on the ballot that was taking away from the Democrats. And at one point, um, several polls going into the election showed the Republican leading. The problem was is that as the, Dem the independent became less viable towards the end, everybody right. kind of went back to their camps. Right. And, and there was sounds like there. what happened nationally, right? Exactly. So I mean, if you if you uh, want to talk about Idaho, I mean, you know, most of those were all over in the primaries, so very red states. Uh, the other states, uh, Montana didn't have as much for for my area didn't have as much activity this time around because all of their statewides and major targets were all are all on the presidential ballot. So it was well, it they was, had a Congress, new Congress. They have a new Congress, and and Zinke walked into that. Right. You know, okay. and it was really the primary was his big challenge. And, and Zinke was Secretary of of the Interior, Interior under Trump. So, under Trump yeah. And he, you know, he came from the Senate side before he he did that. So I'm sure we're going to be looking. Uh, Montana will be one of those big target areas moving forward on the federal side, okay. um, going because you have a. a the entire the entire statewide is all Republican, and you have one Democrat sitting in U.S. Senate, and that's John Tester. So right. if we end up on a national side right now, just so everybody knows the math, we're fifty-fifty. Uh, if we win Georgia, if if and the runoff correct. December sixth, so if if they win the Georgia and the runoff December sixth, right now it'd be fifty-fifty, and Kamala Harris will be deciding uh, key measures in the in the Senate. Sure. And then if, if those Wonderful. races all come up in 2024, the Montana will be one of the big swing targets. So, that, so is the Democrat up in, in 2024? John Tester, the Democrat, is up in I that see. seat. Good. So, And then uh, the other races that I was heavily involved in is stuff in Alaska. Um, it is a mess up there under the ranked choice system. I mean, you essentially have a plus 12 Republican uh, state that elected a Democrat in Congress because of ranked choice voting. So why is that? Do you have any idea how that worked that way? Uh, well, a lot to do with uh, the fact that Palin, uh, Palin was in that system. If there was just a kind of one of the normal leaders up there, I think it would have been fine. She was very, like in the polling, uh, she was polarizing. Uh, and there were a lot of even Republicans in the middle that would not vote for her and then left her off the ranks. And so when, when the rank choice came down to it, uh, it was close enough. And the Democrats, the, the other reason, too, is when they won that seat, they invested another $8 million to keep a toll in there after the special election. And um, it was enough to—and the Republicans kind of pulled out because they saw the numbers. 
they didn't really go after the NRCC was not on the ground like they were in other races trying to hold those seats. And I, and I think they figured they could get that seat back in two years. Yeah. And their goal was to maintain majority. And, you know, they were, and I think they were really comfortable with their math. You know, they needed 218 um, congressional votes to have a majority. I did a, um, a TV show on the impact, which TVW about a month ago, and at that point they were, they were firmly saying that 225 were firmly in Republican columns. Right. And they were pretty much already doing their victory dances yeah. at that point. Yeah. And, uh, and that tightened up. I think right now we're only at to we're we're at the majority, at the majority, but we probably are, could have a five to six point uh, candidate <laughs> lead. I mean that's a razor thin margin right. for so. Right. So yes, the Republicans took over the majority in the House, and that's great. But in a wave, no. no. So so well, that's uh, part of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to break right now and come back in a couple of minutes and continue our conversation. Dr. John's Auto Clinic, located in Bellingham on Kentucky Street, is here for your auto repair and service needs. Trusted and affordable auto repair in Bellingham for over 25 years. Ask about their oil change and maintenance inspections. You can hear Brian from Dr. John's Auto Clinic every Saturday on In the Shop on Newstalk 790 KGMI. Or check out Dr. John's Auto Clinic at djautoclinic.com. And on Facebook for the latest in auto repair news. Dr. John's Auto Clinic, reliable, honest, and a part of this community for over 25 years. Ready to put some skin in the game? The only sports book north of Snohomish County is now open at Silver Reef Casino Resort. Get in the game with baseball, football, basketball, hockey, and your other favorite sports. Visit Portage Bay Sportsbook and Bar and place your bets today. Sportsbook open daily at 9 a.m. Betting kiosks open 24-7. Silver Reef Casino Resort, located off I-5, exit 260. We've got that. At Silver Reef Casino Resort, we've got that. Escape the hustle and bustle of the city and get ready for a fun and relaxation-filled getaway. Luxury hotel rooms? Yep. Championship golf? Mm-hmm. Top-rated casino with all the best slots and table games? Yes and yes. World-class dining at the region's best and Wine Spectator award-winning steakhouse? Yes, please. The total package is only missing one thing. You. Silver Reef Casino Resort. Located off I-5, exit 260. We've got that. Hey, how was the grocery store? Everything is getting more and more expensive. I know, I stopped to get gas today and the price has gone back up. We need to talk about the budget again. The cold weather is here and we're going to need a new furnace or maybe a heat pump. I'm not sure which. Well, I was talking to Joe and he recommended Linden Sheet Metal. They had a new heat pump put in. The guys that came out to install it were professional and the heat pump works great. He also said there's up to $2,400 in rebates that we can tap into. That sounds great. Rebates and energy savings with a new furnace or heat pump? Let's call Linden Sheet Metal and make an appointment. Call Linden Sheet Metal today and talk to us about staying warm this winter. Because in a world where it seems everything is more expensive, there are ways to save on installation and monthly utility bills. And we can also help with low monthly payments. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest for over 80 years. 
in the shop. Every time I turn around, my dang old catalytic converter's missing. You can go through the the box just to get a breakfast sandwich, and if you shut your car off for a second, that cat's going to be missing. Steve from Panacea, Kirk from Angler, Brian from Dr. John's, and Dan from Bellingham and Burlington Automotive. Catalytic converters, I can't count the number we've done in the last six months. Join them on In the Shop, 9 to 10 a.m. every Saturday on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Good morning and welcome back to the fourth corner version of Saturday Morning Live. This is Charlie Crabtree, your host this week, and we're talking elections and we're talking with um, our uh, campaign consultant, extraordinaire from Axiom Strategies, Justin Matheson. This morning I heard and saw some research from Mr. Victor Davis Hansen. And on a national level he had kind of a, uh, an interesting take on the whole uh, wave, non-wave situation. And one of his points, which I thought was interesting, was he and Britt Hume of Fox News also stated that when we went into this election, there were only five seats out of the majority for the Republicans. And in past elections like this, in 1994 and 2010, um, the Republicans were 30 to 45 seats down, and, and they came up heavily. So that was part of what happened to the wave was we already had, the Republicans already had the seats. Um, the other thing is, is even if you have a one-seat majority in Congress, it's going to put a lot of things at risk for the Democrats, and it will make it very, very difficult for them to pass anything in their current agenda. But it also brings back that, that power of the pen and um, that President Obama had and took advantage of with the executive order. So what do you think, Justin, the national issues that kind of created this non-wave, this even Stephen election, um, that people paid attention to more than crime and uh, inflation? Well, I mean, the, the base issues, we had the Dobbs decision that dropped. You and know, that is? In the, that is the, uh, basically the Supreme Court uh, making the decision that abortion decisions should be made locally okay. by the states. Right. And um, when that came across in the middle of summer, I mean, the numbers that we had seen in early polls and early primaries uh, were very good for Republicans, and then when when the Dobbs decision hit us over the summertime, we moving especially even into uh, races here in Washington, we saw everything tighten up. Where where we thought we were going to have some major pickups, um, they moved a different direction, and so I think nationally the Dobbs decision was one of the the biggest issues, and then other things that were in that middle group because you know. Campaigns are, are not so much about the right and the left because we know, for the most part, where all of our votes come from right. and go, and we know where their uh, votes come from and go. It's about 
a very small minority in the middle. Right. And you have persuasion and turnout in those two different categories, too, because I think some of the campaigns as we go through the races here in Washington were kind of lost on a more of a turnout program. And I think what happened with the Dobbs decision is it motivated a less motivated Democrat uh, to get out there and vote, uh, which normally in an off-year midterm election would not have done it. Now, it's close. We didn't see him go out in, in, in droves. Like in 2018, when essentially it was the first election that Democrats could vote against Trump in a midterm, you know, and, and against Trump's agenda, you know, they turned out at higher than presidential numbers in our legislative districts here in Washington. Right. Uh, this So far, this election, I, where we are quite a bit, we are lower by three or four percentage points than we were in 2018. Yeah. So... Yeah, this is a, a less of a turnout, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think I, I, the, the hard thing about the, you know, we saw, and we'll talk about surveys a little bit uh, because there are some really bad ones out there, and yep. we'll talk about what, yep. what some of the problems are with it. But I mean, in everything I saw that we did within our campaigns going up, I mean, it was still crime and affordability were still the key uh, given factors under the entire electorate. But then there was in the middle what happened a lot with a lot of the dumps and money and, and messaging at the end. It was kind of this race for civility and sanity. So each campaign was trying to make make the other candidate be the, we'll use the term, crazy one. Right, right. right. Because you had Democrats that voted against all of the crime reform bills that basically, you know, handcuffed police officers so they couldn't, you know, chase after somebody that was that was committing a right. crime and oh, and yeah. and a lot of the police chiefs and, and sheriffs came out and said that they've caused the increase of crime because of these bills and so they were they were siding with Black Lives Matter and Antifa so we were trying to make the case that they were the ones that were unrational and not sane right. And then the Democrats at the same time started dumping money on races, the people that had nothing to do with January 6th and making them linked to January 6th right. because of guilt by association. Yeah. So then it came down to the middle and they just said like, okay, so of what two, which one can I live with? And, and then there was a little bit of a turnout issues in there too, just making sure. Well, one of the things that we found in our early uh, study of the returns is the dramatic increase, and in Whatcom County is what I'm talking about, in the 18 to 35-year-old voter and how they increased or almost doubled their normal average turnout mm -hmm. of taking 13% of the electorate and made it almost 30% uh, towards the end of the election. So. That's something that uh, the that, exit polls found in in other parts of the country as well. And they and and a lot of those when they were doing the polling missed those universes right. because they went on those traditional numbers of what those turnouts for these young. And it, as you know, um, when we were looking at surveys and some of our key targets here in Washington, there were two groups that were really bad uh, for Republicans. Right. One was educated women over a certain age. Right. Um, and college-educated women, because they were a little bit more 
in tune with the abortion issue and more of the social issues. Or the liberal. And and um, and the other one was the kids under you know the the young families and stuff under thirty five because they just don't they haven't been paying enough taxes they haven't been you know they're still kind of done they, it yet they haven't done it yet and uh, they have they're not impacted so much in, with the economy yet and even though a lot of families are struggling they just they're they're still parents are still around they still kind of live off you know especially in those in the 20s and stuff like that they you know the well, longer and longer that it takes them to leave home they're not and longer those. and longer to make families yep. get married be responsible so we're not yeah so the increase in that we saw that they they were going to vote on more national issues than than local right. local issues right. so one of the things nationally that i came across also was that uh, so in 2012, there were 25 million votes cast on early voting. And in that particular universe, the several states had 5% rejection rate. And ever since things have changed with COVID, um, COVID, several states passed different laws about uh, early voting, about the ease of how the ballot would count. It would be partial signatures or first name or maybe even late and they would be counted. Um, that probably had something to do as it moved on uh, to that this time there are a hundred million voters, probably half, um, that at this time vote early. Mm -hmm. So none of the final events that happen were included in the early vote, as it were. So um, that has changed the way that America votes, not only because, uh, in my view, not only because of, of whatever the issues are out there, but the way that they're managed within our normal democratic system. Mm -hmm. People are used to an election day, and we're so far away from that now that you can't even... Uh, measure it anymore. We're going to have to take a break right now for uh, another couple of minutes and we'll be right back at the bottom of the hour with more on the election this year. This is Dick Donahue with Asset Advisors, and for over 12 years, we have been bringing you Wealth Wake Up every Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, we focus on investment management, retirement, tax planning topics, and some of the political influences on your planning for the future. And on Sunday, we focus on the latest economic updates for the United States and globally. During these challenging political and economic times, we try to provide you the latest information to assist you in your decision making. Call us at 360-733-1200. Go to our website at Wealth Wake up.com and join us live at 11 a.m. on Saturdays or 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings here on KGMI. The opinions voiced on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Dewey Griffin Subaru is committed to our community and proud to announce they're expanding and building a brand new dealership. Come by and check out the new exciting building designs at the only certified Subaru service and tire center in Whatcom County. Dewey Griffin Subaru. 
Need service? No time for an appointment? No problem. With Dewey Griffin Subaru's Express Service. Open six days a week, including Saturdays. It's fast, convenient, and best of all, there's no appointment necessary. Dewey Griffin Subaru. Community-minded and community-driven. 1800 Iowa Street, Bellingham. We're kicking things off this November by giving away $200,000 in cash and free play. Score your share of this championship prize every Tuesday with hourly drawings starting at 5 p.m. Don't get sidelined. Claim one free entry every day. It's a battle on a gridiron with 200 grand at stake. Use your Reef Rewards card to earn additional entries. Plus, save up to 25 cents off every gallon of gas at Lummy Bay Market. Silver Reef Casino Resort, located off I-5, exit 260. We've got that. At Silver Reef Casino Resort, we've got that. Escape the hustle and bustle city and get ready for a fun and relaxation-filled getaway. Luxury hotel rooms? Yep. Championship golf? Mm-hmm. Top-rated casino with all the best slots and table games? Yes and yes. World-class dining at the region's best and Wine Spectator award-winning steakhouse? Yes, please. The total package is only missing one thing. You. Silver Reef Casino Resort. Located off I-5, exit 260. We've got Got that. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today at westmechanical.net to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. CBS News Brief. A special counsel is taking over two Justice Department probes of former President Trump. CBS's Catherine Herridge on what this means. Special counsel is brought in when they feel the standard handling of a criminal investigation might have the perception of a conflict of interest. Almost six feet and counting. The snow is not letting up in Buffalo. WIVB-TV's Tara Lynch. Very slushy, very slick. We've had driving bans. A lot of the major highways are closed. Kind of a stay-at-home situation here. There is a travel ban in place now. Only authorized personnel are allowed on the roads. The founder of failed blood testing company Theranos has been sentenced to 11 years in federal prison. Our Major Garrett with details. Elizabeth Holmes was convicted of fraud and conspiracy earlier this year for misleading investors and endangering patients with a bogus blood testing technology. CBS News Brief. I'm Stacy Lynn. Good morning and welcome back to Saturday Morning Live, the fourth corner version with Charlie Crabtree. I'm here today with Justin Matheson and we're talking campaigns and elections and uh, what went on, what's going to go on. And we're going to talk, begin talking now a little bit about state politics and, and what happened here in Washington State and how the red wave was or wasn't. So. Justin, what happened? Well, in Washington, <laughs> it seems like for the most part, uh, the red wave is more of a, if it actually ever happens, happened, yeah. uh, is more of a stops at the cascade type of scenario. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Washington State, especially in our suburbs, has always been a kind of the center of the Democrat resistance, and it's been harder and harder with people moving out of, you know, the... Uh, areas of Seattle that have been ridden with crime. A lot of folks that have traditionally been Seattle liberals are now moving into uh, our suburbs, 
which have traditionally been Republicans, uh, and they're now bringing essentially their politic to some of these regions and upsetting some of the campaigns. And, and so every in the Senate, there were, uh, in the House, there were several different targets. Uh, we are currently talking about the 42nd District, which is um, one that uh, I was heavily involved in as well as you, Charlie. So that was one to hold uh, a Republican seat. Uh, it's one of those districts that has population have changed in Ferndale and some of the neighboring regions with uh, uh, Bellingham has gone from more of a cons- conservative stronghold to a very purple seat. And in the past elections, they lost both the two House seats, and then we were trying to hold the Senate seat, which as— Who? Who lost? Um, well, Luann Van Werven right, uh, before right. that. Okay. And then, okay, that's um, what we're talking about. Yeah, so we're talking about the, the House seats, but then we were uh, working on Simon Sevzik's seat in the Senate. Uh, he was an appointed uh, senator after uh, the uh, uh, passing of, of Senator Doug Erickson, who represented the seat. Uh, for over a decade, or close to a decade, and um, and he was trying to hold that seat, and it became one of the the, the number one it, targets. And it, you know, yeah. it's going to come down to by the end of it, uh, Simon will likely lose by probably roughly around five hundred votes, four hundred fifty, yeah. something like that. the the other The other issue that has happened besides a substantial demographic um, change here in in Whatcom County, north and south is that this last cycle in 2020, um, we had uh, redistricting. And this is the first election we've had under the redistricting that occurred uh, in 2021. Um, At least this is the last legislative election we've had redistricting. And and what what happens, uh, whether it's law or anything else, it seems to be tradition that if you have a majority of one party representing you out of the three seats, they kind of get to, to do some of the redistricting they didn't do before. So it, what happened in the 42nd case, is, as, as much as we can tell, is there were some areas of uh, East Bellingham, uh, up around Barkley and uh, Alabama Hill in those areas that are single-family homes that generally would vote uh, a little more positive to Republicans in the 40-plus percents. And those were put in by the redistricting committee, both Democrat and Republicans have to agree, so that's where it went. They were put into the 40th district while they get one extra vote with the governor's office, though. Right, right. Well, yeah. And, and then in the 40, adding to the 42nd was pretty much everything. They had a couple of new precincts south of Alabama Street. The line used to go just to Alabama, and now there were Texas Street apartments and Fraser Street apartments down clear to Civic Field. The new 42nd goes. So there there was some change there in uh, in redistricting, change in the demographics, even redistricting kind of aided and abetted uh, what has been the Democratic vote. So that, that as well as the issues and the, and the substantial move-ins in both Ferndale City and Linden City 
uh, have, have changed. It's like Justin said, there's a lot of people there that have come out of Seattle and, and King County and just had to move away and they haven't changed their political proclivities uh, to match where they live yet. Even at 500 votes, as, as you recall, when we did the recounts uh, in 2018, when Senator Eric said it won, I, th- I, I always, I always uh, miscount the number because it changed during the recount like by two, but it was like 47? 45, 45 is how it came out. Yeah. vote difference. And this one, after um, essentially... $4 million between both sides will be a difference between 500 votes. So, you know, I'm predicting in the future that this will always be on the target list, especially right. with those kind of with those kind of numbers. And what people may not know when you're on kind of a target list, you're you're one of those uh, one of those seats that can go back and forth depending on on investment. You're not an Eastern Washington House seat which basically Democrats don't even sign up for. And you're not a downtown Seattle seat, which basically Republicans don't sign up for. It, it is an area of contention between the two parties and the current issues and philosophies. And, and that's what we're smack in the middle of. We, we, uh, um, the last time I think we had all three seats um, that were Democrat was in the early 90s and that soon changed with uh, with election of, of Doug Erickson I think it was in 1998 but there were there was one before that um, and the last time that we held all three seats was uh, 2018 so um, this is this is a changing ever-changing situation on where we live here in the fourth corner um, and what what do you think did it this time, Justin? Well, I, I mean, I, I definitely think that um, going back to your redistrict, I think that would be enough to move essentially the uh, the difference in the 2018 election versus now. Right. Um, I mean, there were early polls that showed, you know, Simon in, in very good, uh, and this is before the Dobbs decision, but right. there was very good polls showing him being able to take take this seat. And then we conducted surveys all the way up until the election. And the uh, the surveys that essentially came out the week before the election put them at even. So uh, there was, there's been a lot of talk about surveys. If we can, and and I guess we could probably talk about that the we next can, section. Or we can talk about it right now. Just real quickly, a but ours, minutes, yeah. our polling showed that it was going to be tight. A lot of other polling, including what they had the U.S. Senate race, was, and we could, and we can talk a lot about polling in the next seg- segment, but um, showed that it was tight, and it wasn't. And um, and what we were seeing as we were talking about those universes is that it was just going to really come down to essentially turning out folks, and then and mitigating some damages with the young kids, the the younger populations that were going to be turning out in this, and it's. Kind of sad too because we had a twenty-year-old kid running for U.S. Yeah, Senate, 22. Sorry, state Senate, twenty-two-year-old kid 22. that ran for state Senate, yeah. and and even even the young populations couldn't see that and had to vote partisan lines. Seems like on some of that. So 
they got the message and how to vote when they got back yep. to school. The, the demographic of between primary and, and general election showed that, um, that it was almost three to one in the 18 to 25, uh, 18 to 30 age group uh, was three times what it normally is between, picked up votes between the primary and the general. So it was, it was that late advertising and that late uh, J uh, Joe Biden point about the democracy is going to end that maybe got their attention. So, um, so as we, uh, we move on here, we've got another minute or so. Uh, basically, the the interesting part about polling is a lot of the national people were wrong again, and and um, that was just the there, way that they were extremely wrong. Yeah, <laughs> so especially with the Murray um, Smiley race, mm -hmm. that was consistently wrong. I don't know how that happened. Do you? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think that a couple things. One is everybody should be skeptical of polls that are being released. Uh, polls that are not released are what's used to be strategically used in a campaign, and that they're releasing polls. They're trying to move donors and move organizations yeah. to one way or the other. Yeah. I think in, in the situation with uh, the stuff that was released in Washington and uh, – the U.S. Senate race absolutely, absolutely had an impact in all of our races here, too, sure. because it... We're going to take a break right here. We'll come right back and uh, take our last segment. Want to win big? We're celebrating 50 years at Barron. Hi, I'm John Barron, owner of Barron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. And I'm Brad Barron, fourth generation here at Barron. I'll never forget the tools in Dad's garage and the paperwork on Mom's table as our home became the beginnings of Barron Heating. Our humble start grew into the Barron of today, serving five counties and providing careers for over 200 families. Since 1972, customers have been the heart of our business. And today, those family values are put into every job we do. We love this community and want to celebrate with savings on solar, generators, plumbing, air duct cleaning, and more. Plus, save 20% on services like annual maintenance as a Silver Shield member. And five people will win 5,000 Baron bucks towards any Baron service or installation. Book through November 30th to be entered to win. From all of us at Baron, thank you. We look forward to serving you for the next 50 years. Baron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. Our mission, improving lives. No purchase necessary. Visit BaronHeating.com for details. Hey, how was the grocery store? Everything is getting more and more expensive. I know, I stopped to get gas today and the price has gone back up. We need to talk about the budget again. The cold weather is here and we're going to need a new furnace or maybe a heat pump. I'm not sure which. Well, I was talking to Joe and he recommended Linden Sheet Metal. They had a new heat pump put in. The guys that came out to install it were professional and the heat pump works great. He also said there's up to $2,400 in rebates that we can tap into. That sounds great. Rebates and energy savings with a new furnace or heat pump? Let's call Linden Sheet Metal and make an appointment. Call Linden Sheet Metal today and talk to us about staying warm this winter. Because in a world where it seems everything is more expensive, there are ways to save on installation and monthly utility bills. And we can also help with low monthly payments. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest for over 80 years. 
I recently brought in my car for some long overdue repairs, something we can all probably relate too well with over this past year and a half. I was terrified about cost, but luckily the guys at Bellingham and Burlington Automotive prioritized repairs that couldn't wait and helped me decide what could. What a relief. Bellingham and Burlington Automotive, professional ASE certified techs and expertise in foreign and domestic vehicles. Learn more at BellinghamAutomotive.com or BurlingtonAutomotive.com. This message is for Shana, my mom who just finished her high school diploma. I wanted to say I'm so proud of you for finishing school. You'll tell me it's never too late to achieve your dreams. I hope to make you as proud as you have made me. When you graduate, they graduate. Finish your high school diploma for you and for them. Visit finishyourdiploma.org to find free and supportive adult education centers near you. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Good morning and welcome back to the fourth corner version of Saturday Morning Live. This is Charlie Crabtree with Justin Matheson and we're talking politics, elections, and what happened here and how history will be made or not made. So we were talking a little bit about polling and what that means and and what kind of tools are used both nationally and, and locally in the polling uh, department. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, uh, so one of the things, and, and I've discussed with a lot of pollsters, and we you know, hire pollsters throughout most of our campaigns, and there's different types of polls. You have the traditional polls where they call somebody and they get a sample, and then they have what's called IVRs, where more online polls. Some, some people get text and things like that to link into it. And then there's another one that's called mixed mode, where you have to put uh, different samples together. Like you have a phone sample, you'll have a cell phone sample, you'll have a texting sample, you'll have a online sample, and then they move. The mixed modes are actually getting to be a little bit more accurate because there's so many people are kind of offline now. Um, I heard from a pollster during the campaign that for every 100 calls they make, they get almost like 1% that actually fill out a survey so one now. person out of a Because of technology, I mean, everybody could do the, you know, they don't answer their phones anymore. <laughs> None of us know how to talk no. to each other, right? No. So so then that's pro- the problematic because it's affecting the surveys that we're seeing out there. And I think there was some extremely poorly oh, done surveys with very low sample sizes that they were just putting out in the media. Yeah. And everybody's like biting on it. Like for the U.S. Senate race, for example. I mean, they're... They're not even close. No. I mean, there was a post coming out that was from a very credible firm right before the election that showed basically Tiffany Smiley even and potentially right. winning. Right. And maybe they didn't count King County. Yeah, maybe, maybe they, <laughs> they left that out of the sample. You know, they just had enough to wow. get it in Yakima and then called it a day. Yeah. Um, but that affects us all because we're watching that. It motivates the bases right. and things like that. And and I mean, at the end of the day. They're showing this polling because they want to make their candidate credible because there's there's candidates and consultants and everything making money on these folks. And if you're Tiffany Smiley and you're showing that you're in in that uh, that game, I mean, what's the difference between like on the fundraising side? I mean, she spent seventeen million dollars. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the last the last competitive statewide election we've had that kind of money on a statewide election was twenty twelve. Rob McKenna 
spent $12 million. On his governor's race. Yeah, $12 million to $15 million for, for Jay Inslee. Yeah. Bill Bryan in 2016, I mean, he only raised, I mean, he got 46% of the vote, but he had only raised like $3 million wow. against $12 million. So we haven't seen that kind of money above our campaigns either. And, was, and everybody here that's listening probably would have said, I got so much stuff from Patty Murray right. and Tiffany Smiley, like yeah. I was sick of it. And some of the issues that we had on the local level right. was that you know those polls, putting those all in play, made national money come in. It flooded our, our media banks, our radio, our television with national stuff. And then we were like here down on the local level in District 42 saying, let's talk about crime and affordability. And they're all talking about abortion, abortion above us. And, and January 6th. Yeah, yeah and I, I think, I absolutely think, and if, if somebody doesn't do it, I'm going to do it. But I think we should take all of these polls, figure out what companies were, were involved in all of these completely asinine polls <laughs> so i can't i can use that on the the air but off the wall polls and and then highlight those that got it right and those that got it wrong and again i'm always suspect of polls that are out there in the media right because somebody's using that to move people and it's the polls that you know i use polls all the time as a tool in our trade right uh, but i use that to to affect like what groups i'm doing poorly with with the campaign who to mail to who to mail to who who do i need to talk to more who is missing what's my name identification of my candidate like how do i how do i move different numbers uh, to get the, the desired outcome of winning and so it's still a tool but man i tell you what just like on the you know on the national side the media side if you're listening to a poll just turn your tv off because well they predicted the wave yeah, exactly. And and all of them. I mean, yeah. we're talking Rasmussen, who I trusted for yeah. a couple elections because they got Trump right. And I, you know, I trusted this Tafalgar as far as it went. Um, and then we had we had some more respected ones than that that were seventeen points off in the, in the yeah. uh, Senate race in the state of Washington. They're 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 not deep enough in their survey, and they're not. For, for those trusting ones, their 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 margin of errors are too long, and right. they're also missing the turnout model. The one thing that I have, you know, since post Trump, predicting what's motivating people on the base of turnout. You used to be able to look at twenty years of data and tell exactly yeah. what your turnout was going to be, right. and it, it and in twenty eighteen especially broke every trend in the book. You know, for what especially on the Democrat side for turnout. And then other elections, we've had ours, our turnouts uh, surge as well. Um, so, you know, I think I, I I think we've got to find a way to get that right. But again, like I said, it's well, just, it's more sampling. I know I know yeah. in Whatcom County because there were some polls run that I saw, and in in Whatcom County is kind of a, a, a maybe an odd duck, but yeah. I don't think so. You, you've got seven zip codes pretty much all contained in Whatcom County. And I would see those polls and they'd have Blaine. Yeah. Well, Blaine is 98230, and that includes a very large portion of Birch Bay. And Birch Bay and all the people around it are larger than the population of Blaine City. Right. So if your impression is that the results of that poll have to do with the people in Blaine City, that's not right. 
Yeah, that's Be- right. Because it, it spreads itself out over a much larger demographic area. So those are the things that come up to make uh, uh, make local people who are trying to support candidates go a little bit wild. But um, you know, in our day and age, with the technology we have for, like you say, texting and directing people that way to a poll, doing it by email, doing it by uh, phone, somehow. Um, we used to even do it in the in the Meridian School District by sending people actual letters, yeah, self-addressed. Once you get that together to be able to have those parts of the tools, the next part of that game is to make sure that you have an idea of what the demographics are, what age groups you're sending to, and how they lean politically, so that you can come up with some pretty decent data. Yeah. Um, and I know it's a, it feels like sometimes an invasion of privacy, but what I do with numbers is aggregate them. I don't know who's who anywhere. I just say this is what it looks like in the Birchwood neighborhood at Bellingham. Yeah, well, that's and that's a hard thing with the uh, surveys too. Is one of the things that I don't think that they. I, especially when the media gets it right, you know, they just put the general numbers up. This person is at yeah, this percentage, yeah, yeah. and this person's at this percentage, and it's going to be a close else. election. Yeah. What they leave out is that those are just the base percentages, and we have this big undecided universe of twenty five percent that that haven't made their mind up. Like if they're going to put polls out, I almost want to say, like, tell me what what the people that that haven't voted and haven't made up their minds are are yeah. thinking yeah. because because what happens is those those you know at when it gets closer and closer to the election those people move to a camp and then right. you don't see from right. the original poll like where, where they moved where they so, were to yeah so let's finalize this or off with maybe some positive things about the 42nd about yeah. the state well, I'll, I'll say some some national stuff that actually was just recorded in in Politico too, and and we'll see. I mean, yes, there were a little bit of pickups on the House side, nothing nothing uh, extraordinary. Uh, here in Washington, we we lost one Senate seat. Essentially, we're breaking one, even, but yeah, we we lost seat. Senate seat, but it flipped because we, uh, the thirty fifth district became Republican. Right. So it's it's status quo. And it's right. status quo in the House too, with Gilday in the tenth district, which is Whibby Island, which is right south of us. He election. he's yeah. he's up two hundred votes. So it's gonna be it's gonna be status quo. It's a non Gilday. He's yeah. up twenty three votes. Twenty three votes. I'm sorry. So, and. But there were some national trends that we saw which were very interesting, especially when we go back to the kind of the key issues like affordability and crime. Uh, in, our, in our ethnic groups that Republicans have traditionally um, not done very well with, you know, going back into the whole Black Lives Matter uh, era, we picked up uh, some major gains with some uh, different populations. And for example, uh, we've moved nationally 10 points more to Hispanics. Wow. And even in Washington, I mean, we picked up a Hispanic uh, woman legislator in the 15th district uh, with uh, Nikki Torres. Ah. And, and so we've got some, in Washington, we have some great gains in that community. The Asian population, which is basically huge in South Sound and, and uh, Seattle, uh, national gains on that universe was 17 points. Wow. 
That's that you know, almost a quarter of their look votes are moving yeah, over look at to it us. Republicans, anyway. And then in the African American community, black community, it's uh, the increase is about four percent nationally. Right. So, the the problem that we're having with some of those uh, groups is that their turnout. We were talking about East Indians earlier offline. Is their their turnout is not high with the, those universes. So where we're picking gains up, like you were saying, the East Indian community here was about forty percent. Turnout. Yeah, turnout. Yeah. So overall, so we got to increase our our influence of those universes, talking to those individuals, and then and then getting them out to vote as yep. well. Yep. So, well, that's hope you learned a lot today, folks. This is uh, something that uh, is important for make sure that we're active in our communities, keep track of what's going on, and we will talk to you next time we're on here. This is Charlie Crabtree the fourth corner version of Saturday Morning Live.